Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. Uh, part two of a series titled The Pursuit of Purpose. And today we're talking about specifically, what if I fall? What if I fall? And if you've fell before, you understand it's not what, if, but when. And so I'm thankful that you're here. We got some context. This Ephesians 2.10 is what we've rooted this in. It says, for we are God's creation, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time. So it's already been prepared, regardless of how you came in or where you find yourself today. Um, it's all good. God prepared it ahead of time so that you should or we should walk in the gift that he put inside of us for those works that he put inside of us to do. So there's a purpose. God has, has prepared you for purpose. He's put purpose in you. He would like you to live in that purpose and on purpose, right? And so the big idea is this. Everybody ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And so uh, last week I shared the stat that about 87% don't end up there on purpose. It's kind of an accident and they dislike it and they have to have change. And and also heard last week that 42% of people who are in jobs right now are going to quit this year. And so that's a lot, right? And so we want to get to purpose, that, which means this. Like, if you think about that stat, a lot of people will spend their life working the plan instead of fulfilling the purpose, right? And so the big idea from last week is you'll never fulfill your purpose if you're full of pride. And so we had to eat some humble pie last week, and I have to do that on a regular basis. So it takes humility in the high times of your life and the low times of your life right? To really move forward because it's really not about, it's not about the higher, the low, it's the places that are in between that really help us to grow. And so last week we talked about humble beginnings and, and having the humility to start. Genesis 37 is where we're going to be. It would be good for you to read the story of Joseph over the next few weeks as we're in this, uh, just because we're going to pull points from that context. And so um, we learned last week that Joseph didn't have a lot of humility, so God arranged for him to gain some and it was good. And so we got reminded last week that pride comes before the fall, which is why we titled today, What If I Fall? And so uh, before we jump in, I want to take just a second and pray. Father, we love you. Thanks for the opportunity, Lord, to gather, Lord, in this room, online. For those who are going to get this later, I just ask you, Lord, to work and move. Lord, thank you for your will being done in the lives of the individual that's sitting in this room today, that our hearts would be open, that our eyes would see, that our ears would hear, Lord, that we would go better from here than we came in. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we before we talk about falling, you need to know that regardless of how many times you fell or how far away or how deep you are, that you're still good enough, that you're good enough right now. And, and we talked uh, last week about insecurity and how that's like inferiority or um, inadequacy and just not good enough. And so if you feel that, I just need to know how, how no matter where you are, how you are, or what you came in with, you are still right where you need to be because God prepared your purpose beforehand for you to walk in. And so you can still fulfill the purpose that God has for you, regardless of what you think about your past. And so a couple of scriptures to back that up. Nobody's perfect. Romans 3.23 says, everybody has a little dirt. Everybody has a little dirt. For we all fall short of the glory of God. There's only one person who is never, never dirty, never sinned. That was Jesus. And so because of him, we get to walk in the light and be called righteous by God. And you would say, well, yeah, Dusty, say Romans 3.23 all the time. Well, let me back it up with Rome, or with Proverbs 24.16. And that... It, that scripture essentially confirms that you're going to fall and you're going to fall again and you're going to fall again. And staying down is without purpose and getting back up is walking with purpose. 
And it says, once you fall, a righteous man may may fall seven times, but he's going to get up eight. So if he falls 77, he's going to get up 78. And so if you're seeking God in your effort, you're going to get back up. You're going to stay up. And so now God gave Joseph a dream when he was 17. And he started seeing that dream come to pass when he was 30, but his dream was not fulfilled. His purpose was not fulfilled until he was 40. So it took 23 years for Joseph to go from this is it to wow, 23 years. And that's a lot. And, and that's really not the timeline that we want when it comes time to walking in what, what God has for us, right? It's like, oh, man, I really wish we could just do it like right now. I don't even want to wait till tomorrow necessarily. And so the reason it took Joseph so long was because he had to develop. He had to develop. We all have to develop. We talked about the 17-year-old male knowing everything and walking full of arrogance and pride. And the reality is that guy has to get knocked down a few times before he goes, oh. I heard a thing last night on the, uh, oh, the Chargers were playing the, the Jaguars. And, um, and one of the defensive backs for Jacksonville used to play, used to play uh, on the Chargers team. And he said, I was a talented player when I played for them, but now I've learned how to be a pro. But now I've learned how to be a pro. It's the same thing in life. We walk, we walk the earth. Everybody's gifted, talented, right? And we have those. But man, when, once we develop and we come into who God's called us to be, we become a pro. And that's probably the, the coolest way to say it if I want to reference uh, playoff weekend, right? And so the reason it took Joseph so long to get there is because he had to develop. Now, remember, God's goal for each of us is that we would grow and become more like Christ. It's Christ-like character. The example is Jesus. That's who we are to follow. And so um, both, both God and his son are in heaven and they're rooting for you to walk in the purpose that he has for you. And so the question I have for you today as we jump in is this, what is in me? This is a challenge. Okay. And Jesus was this way. And so this is good. This is healthy. By the way, know that I love you. Like, like my whole goal in life is to see you get better. Like, and that's my goal in life too, that I would be better today when I leave here too. And if this message doesn't speak to you, it speaks to me. Okay. And God's doing something in my heart at the same time he's doing it in yours. And so the question that we have is, what is it in me that God is trying to help me develop so that I can reach his purpose for me? What is it in my character that God's trying to help me develop? Because I've got, I've got to get a little bit better. And we talked last week, your character really is what limits your purpose. You're only going to go as far as your character will allow you. And so there, there needs to be some development. So we're going to pick up in Genesis 37, the story of Joseph. Remember, he had a dream. His whole family is going to bow down to him. He didn't have any favor with his brothers. Matter of fact, it says in the short three or four verses we read last week, it says they hated him three different times and they hated him and his words. And so he did have favor with his dad and his dad did remember the dream. His dad didn't like the dream, but his dad did remember the dream. And you know that his dad gave him a coat to wear and this is a coat of many colors. So he looked like Joe Namath just a little bit better, right? And so pride got the best of him. And in Genesis 37 through 13 through 17, uh, I'm gonna paraphrase this. Joseph's dad sends him out to check on his brothers, okay? And now here's what you need to know. Joseph's brother, he had 10 brothers. They were all older and he didn't really need to go check on them because they'd been been tending to their flocks for a long time. And And if Joseph was part of the crew, he would already been there, but he wasn't. So Joseph's dad sends him to check on his brothers and he has to journey to do this. This isn't like, uh, going over here to the um, to the white truck and, and telling your brothers this is you're going he's going to take a trek right and Joseph's dad gave him this flashy coat so he could you could see him coming from miles away right it's like whoa yep know that coat anywhere right and so in verse 18 it says his brothers saw him in a distance and before he reached them they plotted to kill him here comes the dreamer they said to each other 
come on now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, which is a well or a hole where you store water, okay? And throw him in one of these cisterns, and we will say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Now listen, they only say this, and they only say it to the 10 of them. They don't share this with anybody else. Then we'll see if his dreams really come to pass. That's the animosity they had. Now, Joseph coming up, he's about to fall, right? And how many of you know there are people waiting for you to fall right now? There are people hoping that you fall right now. I've had many a good nudge, okay, in my life. People just waiting there. And the truth is some of the falls that we take in life, we're really helped by others. And if they don't push us, they influence us or they talk us into it or we're just being ignorant and we, and we follow along, right? Now, thankfully, Joseph had a brother named Reuben. Now, Reuben is super wise, one of the oldest. And Reuben heard the plan in verse 21. And it says, Reuben heard the plan. So he tried to rescue Joseph from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. He is our brother, right? And so let's not take, their, take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Let's throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but let's not lay a hand on him, Reuben said. And Reuben said this so he could rescue him and so that he could take it back to his dad. And so they took him and they threw him in the empty cistern and kind of walked away. Now, Joseph finds himself in a position that he wasn't in about five minutes ago. Now he's in the bottom of this hole and he doesn't know what to do. He's been knocked down, he's been pushed in, but either way, he's not where he was, right? And they took his coat before they threw him in, by the way. So they're like, let's take that coat because we should, that should just be our coat anyways, right? I don't know how we're going to divvy it up between 10 people. Like it'll be two weeks before I get to wear it, but whatever. And so his coat's gone. And the only people who can help him are the people who threw him in the hole. They, they want him dead. And so his brothers want to keep him from his purpose. And so if you have any haters out there, let that be confirmation. Let Joseph's story be confirmation. They're there. And I think um, Taylor Swift said, you got to shake him off, right? Shake, shake. I think she's about 10 times. And so if you're in this place this morning, you've been knocked down. You feel like you've hit rock bottom. There are three things that you need to notice when you get knocked down. Three things. If you're taking notes, we're going to jump in right now. The first thing you notice is the position. You're not, you're not where you were, right? You're, immediately you realize, wow, this is a little bit more sucky than it was 30 seconds ago, right? And so, in other words, what brought you here? What brought you here? It's wise to take a second when you find yourself in this position to go, wait a second, what led to this? Did I attribute to this? Is this my fault, right? How did I get here? And if you did, it's always good. This is why I love starting my mornings with Psalms 139. If you did, it's good to go and look at the life of David. And what David says in Psalms 139 is, search me, God. Know my heart. It's in this position. Test me. Know my concerns. Lord, please lead me in the everlasting way. I want to be more like you today. I want to see you today. And when you pray that Psalms 139, you ask God to search your heart. That's not comfortable because you know what's in your heart. The reality is, so does he. But to invite him in, man, really makes it a lot better, Right? And so it's not comfortable, but it's necessary. And what you need to see in this situation, this position that Joseph has found himself in, is he could have easily kept his pride and been like, this ain't my fault. Being here, what just happened, this is not my fault. It's my brother's fault. It's not my pride. It's their envy, right? And we love to do this when we get in the position of being knocked down as we immediately look outside as opposed to looking inside and going, whose fault is this? It can't. It can't be mine, right? And most of us have a difficult time being knocked down and we don't want to take ownership for it. So we just, we just have to lay some blame somewhere. And, and culture allows us to do that because the society we live in, nobody wants to take accountability. We just want to blame everybody else, right? And everybody say amen. It is never the action. It is never about the action that causes you to fall. It's the reaction to the action that is, that's where the growth of the development happens, 
right? So my college football coach used to always say, hey, it's not the problem, it's how you deal with it. And I'm like, yeah, but I just got jumped by 45 guys. And he's like, yeah, that's not the issue. That's not the issue, right? It's never about the issue, it's how you handle it. So it's the problem, it's not the problem that makes you grow, it's how you handle the problem that makes you grow. And some people don't like to handle the problem, so they just decide to check out and play that, play the blame game, right? So for example, if you're out of money, you're not out of money because the economy's bad. This isn't the first time the economy's been bad. If you're out of money this morning, it's because we have poor spending habits, right? It's not, well, whoever's the leader, okay? I don't care who it is. Well, if he wouldn't have, if she wouldn't have, if they didn't, like I, I joke around with my Oklahoma friends all the time because in Oklahoma, they first took our, took our bag boy, okay? So when you used to go to the grocery store, they take your bag boy, you're like, okay, cool, so, so I'll, help, I'll help you bag now. And then that person at the checkout said, I'm not bagging anymore, you bag your own stuff, okay? And then they took the checker, right? And so now we show up and now we gotta check our own stuff, but now we have like police protection on us. Did you scan that? Is that sure? Uh, an attendant is coming, you guys know how this goes? And so they took the bag boy, then they took the checker, and now in Colorado, they've taken our bags, right? And so customer services went way far away, and the customer is not who we care about right now, right? We're just saving money. And so that's, that is a result of we don't want to pay these people to work here anymore, right? So you just do the work yourself, and it is what it is. Now, that's nobody's fault, but an example to say, hey, it's not, you can't lay blame to anybody, right? Take ownership and go. So then it's not anybody's fault that you're out of money. It's just overspending. Or uh, I feel I'm, I'm so stressed right now. And it's because of my job or my, no, you just didn't say no, right? You just didn't say no, because no is okay. And by the way, no is a complete statement. So if you say no, if somebody asks you to do something, you say, no, that's enough. You don't have to explain yourself. Just no is good, right? And so when you're in that position, it's good to search yourself. It's good to search yourself when you're in a low position and it's easy, again, to look outside and blame others. But really the idea is Psalms went there and look inward, right? Identify your position, identify what took you there. The second thing you need to notice when you get knocked down is the perspective. It's the perspective. How do you feel in this moment? Don't answer that, okay? How do you feel in this moment? I know how I feel in these moments. It, it absolutely stinks, okay? I can't sit up here and say I've never been knocked down or I've never been pushed in a hole or I've never hit rock bottom or I've never felt useless or worthless because I feel all those things, okay? The second thing you need to notice when you fall or when you hit rock bottom is one, you understand the position, by the way, and you understand that you need to look inside. So we've got the position down, right? It's good to remember what happens when you hit rock bottom. It's also good to remember when you, what happens when you hit the top. And so how do you feel? What are your thoughts in that? This is probably the biggest point, by the way. What are your thoughts in that moment? What stands out besides the regret, besides the shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? What stands out in those moments? Because there's one person who roams the earth it says, he roams like a roaring lion, and he seeks to devour those who he can, essentially those who are willing to allow, those who don't stand firm in faith, but essentially set in a position of knockdown, rock bottom, fetal position, right? And he's looking for those he can devour because he loves to take advantage of you, and he loves to accuse you, and he loves to lie to you, and he loves to condemn you, and he loves to kick you when you're down. This is the devil. It says the devil roams like a roaring lion. John 8, says, for there's no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Now he can't live in your spirit. He cannot live in your spirit, which means he cannot live in your heart, but he can live in your head. 
And that's our soul. And that's where all that self-talk comes in, right? That's where the lies start. And so when you're down and the perspective and what you're thinking is this, it's easy to, to feel all of these things and receive those lies as condemnation, okay? And, and condemnation kind of stinks because when you're at your lowest, that's when it's the easiest to receive it, right? I'm just no good. I, oh no, like water boy. Oh no, we suck again, right? Remember that? And so, man, I'm glad we can laugh a little bit this morning. And so anybody ever been lied to? Any, ever, anybody ever had somebody lie about you? Anybody ever lied to themselves? Yes, right? Right? Remember how it made you feel. Those are terrible moments, right? It just makes you stick to your stomach. That's not from God. That is not from God. God does not condemn, so your perspective when you're down should not be condemnation. It can be conviction, okay? And there's going to be a lot on the screen, and so let me, let me break it down with you. There's a big difference between condemnation and conviction, okay? Big difference. Conviction is specific, which said, and it comes from your heart. This is from your spirit. There's conviction. It's very specific, meaning uh, this happened, and, and, so, and because that happened, this happened, and that's why I'm here. That's conviction. Condemnation is very general, right? It comes from yourself, it comes from your head, and it comes from others. It comes from human beings, it comes from the devil, and that's very general. I'm the worst person that ever lived, right? I'm a bad person, I'm worse than everyone else. I'm never gonna do anything worthwhile. I'm gonna battle this, I'm gonna fight this the rest of my life. Um, I'm, I, I just, I'm never gonna succeed. That's condemnation. And it's easy to receive that when you fall to the ground. Now, conviction comes from your spirit. It's very specific. Ah, I can, I can see clearly. I did this, which caused this, which is why I'm in this position. And so then in, the, in, this, in this position with this perspective, it's not to see condemnation, okay? God never, 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 ever, ever, ever condemns. God never condemns, ever. I could say that for the rest of the service, right? He does convict and conviction is accountability. And conviction is really the reason most people struggle to come to church or don't want to come to church because they don't want to hear it, right? And conviction isn't a bad thing unless you ignore it. That's when it becomes condemnation. That's when you receive it as, oh, yeah, I'm just not good enough. I'll never be good enough, right? And so there's a monumental scripture. It's the most overlooked scripture because we've made the prequel to it such a big deal. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, live forever. John 3.17 might be the most overlooked scripture in the whole Bible. And here's what it says. For God did not, everybody say did not. For God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God does not condemn. He didn't. He doesn't. Verse 18 says, whoever believes and has decided to trust him as personal savior and Lord is not judged, is not rejected, is not condemned. Yeah, that's amazing, right? So God didn't send Jesus to condemn. Here's what you need to understand. We were already condemned. We were born as sinners, and Christ came to save. And so that we were already born into condemnation. Jesus came to save and restore our lives so that we could be resurrected. So then his resurrection is what resurrects us. That's what, if you ever heard the Christian song, Resurrection Life, that's what it's all about. That's it. His resurrection resurrects us. So he saved us from condemnation, which means if you believe, then you can't walk in it anymore. You don't walk in it anymore. You now believe, right? And now because you have God's spirit in you, 
That's that check when you know, oh, I probably shouldn't do this. That's God saying, hey, hold up, hold up, right? So it has already been taken care of. Condemnation is over. The only way that works, if you listen to the devil and you listen to the lies that you tell yourself and, and listen to the lies other people tell you, right? Condemnation is never from God. It is always from the enemy. It's always from the devil, and he wants you to fail. So please understand when you have felt knocked down or you're at your lowest or when you sense accusation or condemnation, that's not coming from God. That's not coming from God. So when you check your perspective, you really need to remember what God's perspective is in that position instead of yours, right? And so you're chosen, you're a child, you have purpose. This is the song we sang, right? The song we sang is really what point three is about. And so you're a child, you have purpose, and, um, and even in this, God still has purpose for you. This will not keep you from all that God has for you. And so, well, but, there's no buts. Jesus came and erased the if, ands, buts, and nors, right? Plus, I heard if everything, what is it? If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, right? And so then, all those go away with Jesus. They've all been deleted because he came to save and restore. And so there's no condemnation if you trust and believe. So let's look at one, we're still in the, in the lie. So the lies the devil tells. I'm gonna look at the biggest lie in the story of Joseph. And so his brothers have already pulled him out of the cistern and they've sold him. And so Joseph is out and he's been sold away. And Genesis 37 verse 31 says, then they slaughtered a goat, these are his brothers, and they dipped Joseph's coat in it and they took it back to their father and said, look what we found. And they asked their dad, hey, examine this to see whether it's your son's robe. And when I read this, I think about how when our kids are being just awesome and I want to discipline the heck out of them, but I don't. And so I go to heaven and I go, look what your kids are doing. All right, these are, they're not my kids now because they're not behaving well, right? Look what your kids are doing. Is this your son's robe? Don't they mean my brother's? Isn't, isn't this our brother's jacket? Isn't this our brother's coat? And Jacob, his father, which when you read the story, you're going to see Jacob and Israel. That's the same person, okay? It's the same person. God changed his name. It's amazing. He said, it is my son's coat. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Now, had a wild beast devoured Joseph? No. No, they sold him. They pulled him out and they sold him, right? So where did that lie come from? His brothers didn't say that. Remember, they were, they were plotting earlier, but they didn't tell their dad they were plotting, right? And so how does Jacob, Joseph's father, go from, that's my son's coat, he's, they devoured him, he's dead. How does he go to that point right like that? Like it took less than a second, right? Who's the father of all lies? The devil. Boom. And he plants the seed and he goes, hey, look, look what I got. Look what just happened to your son. And so how do lies begin? We should identify that because especially when it's, when it's person to person. Lies begin, the devil works one of two ways, 99% of the time. Fear or offense. That's it. If I can make you afraid or if I can offend you, devil wins every single time, right? And we're most susceptible to the devil's lies when we are afraid or offended. And so Jacob was obviously afraid and he didn't realize the devil is such a good liar because he's going to fabricate evidence to back up his lies. He didn't say anything. He just showed a coat. And so there was fabricated evidence and the brothers were used to fabricate it. Brothers didn't say anything, okay? They conspired a lot, but they never told their dad. And so Jacob came to this conclusion all on his own. Verse 34 says, then Jacob tore his clothes, he put on a sackcloth and he mourned his son. In verse 35, all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused. 
but he refused to be comforted. And he says, I'm gonna mourn until I join my son in the grave. And so his father wept for him. And so his father wept for him. Here's the tough part. Jacob's brothers let him mourn for 22 years, the death of his son. Jacob didn't know that Joseph was alive until Joseph was 39. Remember, he was 17 at the time that he disappeared. And so for 22 years, Joseph's brothers witnessed their dad in agony every night at bedtime, and they just kept walking. So they became part of the lie. And so much so that they became, that they became real, right? Like, oh, this really did happen. It didn't, but that's where we get, right? And they kept it to themselves. And it could have been very easy to go, hey, dad, and this is tough. I'm so sorry, but Joseph's not dead. We just got sick of him, and so we sold him. And I'll take whatever you have to give me, right? I'll t- and, and even Reuben could have said, hey, I, I told him not to, right? But he didn't, and they didn't. And that's the hardness. If you're willing to live a life for 22 years, that's the hardness of sin. That's the hardness of evil. That's what that is, right? And just like the devil lied to Jacob, he'll lie to you. And when you've been knocked down, it's very important to not believe that perspective because it's, it's easy to go right there and be like, oh, right? Keep God's perspective, live in truth. The third thing you need to notice when you're down is this, the purpose, the purpose. We sing, from my heart to the center. Or from my heart, Jesus be the center, right? Jesus be the center. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. The purpose, what do you think? What are you thinking when this, when this happens? Okay, so I understand my position. I understand how to deal with that. I understand the perspective I'm supposed to have. But man, now that I'm here and I don't like this, I don't like this at all. God must be mad at me because that's what most people think when they get knocked down or when something happens, God did this. It's immediately God's fault. And the reality is, is God's not a mob boss. God didn't come to condemn you. We already heard that, right? God's not trying to get even with you, okay? He's not sending Sylvester Stallone from Tulsa to come take care of you, right? That's Tulsa King reference. You're welcome. And so you're not being punished. God's not mad at you. God is not mad at you. The purpose of the fall, the purpose of being down, the purpose of being without hope is so you can get God back in the center. It has to be, I got to get my focus back on God because I'm, I'm really stinking at this. Matter of fact, this ain't my forte. I'm not really good. And so the purpose of every fall is to get you to see that man is not the way. You put your faith and hope in man, he's going to let you down every time. But if you trust in the Lord, you will be safe. You will be safe. That's Proverbs 29, 25. And in a way, only God can get me out of this. You get to the place where you realize only God can save me. Tupac said only God can judge me, okay? So only God can save me. And in reality, when you're in that place and you're at the lowest and you're all alone, who else is going to help you? Who else can you talk to? You're in the bottom of a hole. Who else can you talk to in the darkness? Who else can you talk to in the valley? There's only one person that promised to be with you forever, right? And I don't know about you, but when I get to that position, and it happens all the time, even though I'm a pastor, I still find myself in these places, right? I always feel alone. I always feel alone. And that's how the devil wants to make you feel. Never going to make it. You're never going to amount. Deuteronomy 31.8 is a promise. It says this, the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Even in the bottom, even in the hole, even when you've been knocked down, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because he will never leave you. So he's always right there. And here's what's amazing about these moments that we find ourselves rock bottom in a hole. 
Our level of dependency on God depends on how much we really need him. How deep am I? How far away am I? What's my position in this, right? And in those moments, it's crazy that we only seem to ask for the the amount that we need, not a little bit more. God, if you just get me past this, I'll never do it again, right? Remember the green mile? I'll never do this again, that's for sure, right? It's that. God, if you just get me to, if you just get me back to even, God's called you to live in abundance. And in that purpose, there is abundance, right? There's prosperity, that's what we're going to talk about next week. And so the true part is when it's not that much, when it's not that bad, we don't ask for that much. And when it gets real bad, we ask for a lot. But in those moments where it's not that bad or we don't see a way out and God comes through or you say some coincidence happens or all the lights turn green on your way to work when you're running late, any of those things, right? It's also like, oh, oh, exhale. Okay, never mind, Lord. It's all good again. Hey, thanks. Thanks for being there. I appreciate it, right? And so when we get in deep, we say, okay, God, <laughs> I'm serious this time. I'm really serious this time. Last time I was, I was really serious, but this time I'm really, really serious this time. I need you now and I need you more than ever, right? I'm serious this time, right? And the reality was we fail to realize that we can't do anything on our own. Heather said this morning, every breath that you have is a gift. Every sunrise is a gift that's been prepared for you by God. And so it makes me think of the first few hours that Joseph, this whole um, purpose. Joseph's in the hole, rising this well. And I think at first he's probably just rehearsing what's happened. And so he's blaming his brothers. And he's like, well, you know, stupid brothers. Like I had a dream, you know, and God gave me a dream. And, and this is all them. It's not me. And and God, I know you're going to get them for this, right? That's the beginning. You guys have all been here, right? I've, I've been here anyway. So then after a while, what happens after a while, you, your thinking goes a little bit more deeper, doesn't it? Right? Oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out of here. Now I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get out of here. So maybe I'll own just a little bit of this. Maybe I had something to do with this, right? Maybe I should take some responsibility. You know, Lord, I probably didn't help this situation much, right? I didn't have to be a narc. I didn't have to be a tattletale. I didn't have to share my dream. You know, maybe I brought a little of this on myself. So if you could just help me get out of this, it would be great, right? And then once he began to believe that he would never get out, what happens then? It changes a lot. Oh, God, please. What? It's all me. It's my fault. I did it. I deserve it. I'm the one who's wrong. Please help, right? And we get to the very end of ourselves where we have to go back to God, it's you and only you that are going to get me out of here. It's not me. It's not my pride. It's, it's not my brothers. It's not anything that's happening outside of here. It's you and me. You said you'd never leave me. I know you're here. This is my fault. I did it, right? I did it. And if you've ever been there, something happens in that moment, in that moment, and it changes your life forever. When you get to the end of yourself and you actually seek God, it's Matthew 6, 3, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you, Right? Something happens in those moments we cry out to God. Our entire life changes. Our heart changes. God hears us, right? And it's not coincidence that we get out or that we get up or that we get back or whatever it was. And I can't think that in this moment, the same thing happened for Joseph. Something changed when he got to that point. It changed his whole life. It changed the path of his life. And I think in this moment, this is when his brother Judah came and got him out and sold him. I think God goes, okay, Judah, He's ready. He's ready, right? And so they pull him out. They see the Midianites coming. 
and they sell him and they sell him, but it wasn't going to happen until he said, okay, Lord, this is on me and I need you hundred percent. There are times I drive where I feel like there might be some distance and I'll say, you know what, Lord, I need you in my life. I've got to have you in my life. My life is yours or have your way, whatever you would want, whatever you have for me, I'm all in. I'm all in. I have to do that on a regular basis. And so then the purpose of every fall, of every hole, of every low in life is to get us back to the Father, that we would get back to the Father. This is how we stay on the path that he has for us. This is how we remain on purpose. Here's what John 15, four through five say, and I'll, I'll close with this. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We must walk together. We must be in agreement. For I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, much fruit, prosperity. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. And so if you're going to pursue purpose, you must stay connected to God. You've got to get back to that place. Remember your position, right? Identify how you got there. Your perspective, what are you thinking? Do not listen to the lies. Do not listen to the lies. Keep God's perspective when you find yourself in the bottom. And remember what the purpose is. Get back, get back to God, get back to God. The one thing that you need to know before we wrap up is no matter how far you fell or how deep you are, God is never going to leave. God is always there. Psalms 16:10, David says, for you will not abandon me, nor will you let me lie or die alone. Always going to be there. Always. You cannot separate yourself from God. It says nothing can separate you from the love of God is what scripture says. It's a promise to you. And so today, if you're at a low point, Maybe the first thing you do is go to step three and just tell God, hey, God, it's on me, right? Seek him, he'll rescue you, he'll restore you, and he'll bring you back into a relationship with God, and that's where you need to be because connected, you bear much fruit. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.